Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Paddock Pass podcast, the Paddock Note Show, coming at you live from the Chang International Circuit in Buram in Thailand. We're here for the 17th round of the MotoGP season. It's been a quick turnaround in recent weeks, straight here from Australia. Barely any chance to catch our breath, but uh, glad to say we made it to Thailand in one piece. My name is Neil Morrison. Um, Dave and Adam are back in Europe at the moment, so I've managed to grab hold of colleague and good friend mr pete mclaren to join us on today's show mr pete mclaren how are you doing sir very well neil very well um good to be on the podcast i've uh, seen you boys recording it many times so it's a pleasure to be on it this time absolutely pleasure to have you pleasure is all ours i have to say pete you've been uh, a venerable member of the press corps in MotoGP gp for quite some time now just tell us a little bit about your history, you've been working here for, what, 15, 16 years and uh, working for Crashdown, the MotoGP editor, of course, for the website? That's right, Neil. Yes, it's, uh, as you say, it must be over 15 years now. So, uh, yeah, a lot of changes during that time. I think I started pretty much at the same time as Valentino Rossi's first year in the Premier class. So uh, that's sort of my, my, my time scale, if you like, the, at the end of the 500s and on to the start of the MotoGP era. Okay, wow. Goodness me. We're in, uh, we're in the presence of greatness then in that case. So, Pete, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, a few things to discuss today. It's fair to say that uh, the paddock is a little world-weary at this stage of the season. It's been an exhaustive run. This is the fifth race in six weekends, the third on the bounce. Um, I know my energy levels were pretty low coming to the track today. Picked up a little bit as it went on. Um, but we do look as though we have a, an interesting weekend in store, not just because, of course, the title fight, Pekka Banyaya, Jorge Martin coming here, 27 points apart. Big things at stake now with just five, uh, sorry, four rounds to go. Um, but of course, the weather looks as though it could well uh, play a role in this weekend. Um, obviously, last weekend in Phillip Island was a bit of a disaster on the Sunday for purposes or for reasons because of the weather um could be something similar here pete it could neil i remember also last year when we were here that we were uh, sort of paddling through the car park weren't we to get the get, get to the car at the end of each day uh but MotoGP was lucky enough to avoid the rain wasn't it right until the race on sunday doesn't look that way this time it's looking like forecast rain over all three days maybe friday is the worst so there's gonna be a lot of pressure on the riders for qualifying two in the afternoon to get into that top 10 place which as they were telling us today is, is pretty vital around here yeah, absolutely. Uh, quite a few riders in the debriefs today talking about the need to not just be strong in the dry, but basically to have a pretty good wet setting as well. And they feel that that's going to be kind of in com- kind of compulsory to have a competitive weekend here. So um, the weather looks as though it's going to play a role. Um, I guess, Pete, a few things to talk about today, but one of them, obviously, we have to start with the uh, the title battle. Pekka Banyaya, Jorge Martin, Marco Bezzecchi to a lesser extent as well. 73 points back now in the championship. But really, it's uh, it's a bit of a, a Banyaya-Martin kind of uh, showdown here. Um, Martin Banyaya were both speaking in the press conference today. Martin still hurting a little bit after that slightly left field tire choice in Phillip Island. And um, it sounds as though we're not going to be seeing him taking any kind of risky, strange tire decisions from here until the end of the year, right? And that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I mean, I think as Martin himself said after Phillip Island, you you know, when ninety percent of the grid go with a certain tire choice, you need to be completely sure if you're going with something different and in his situation he's he's not in an all nothing situation as far as rolling the dice he can you know he's got plenty of time to catch Pecco hasn't he and so he did you know really you go with the choice of your nearest title rivals wouldn't you that's that's the safer choice and uh, yeah I think no more gambles for uh, for Martin um, but also Neil I mean Pecco 
two tracks coming up that are good for him. We could see a real fight between them this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you could even say three real good tracks for Peko coming up this weekend. Sepang, then of course Qatar. Qatar has always been a great track for Ducati, good track for Peko in years gone by as well. So um, yes, uh, he could be on for a decent run. Um, he was saying in the press conference today, 27 points is a decent advantage, but it's by no means big enough for him to start riding defensively. Um, he still needs to attack these coming weeks, doesn't he? He doesn't really have big enough gap to, to try and manage it. That's right. It's almost a, maybe a more difficult situation to have this kind of, of lead because it's not big enough, as you say, Neil, to, to really start managing. But at the same time, you don't want to throw it away. And, uh, you know, especially after seeing that, what was it, one sixty-six point lead or something over Martin after Catalonia's sprint completely eroded in India. And then now he's got himself back into a positive situation. So hard thing to do, isn't it? You've got to race, you've got to look at your lead. But at the same time, you need to attack, as you say, Neil, because... There's what eight races left if we count the count the sprints. A lot of lot of points up for grabs still. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, one or two interesting things uh, about the the championship fight. Um, we know that uh, Jorge has been saying through the year that the pressure isn't on him. He's not expected to win this championship. No one expects a satellite rider to win the championship, whereas it's completely different in Peko's point of view. Um, I think Christian Gabarini gave an interview to MotoGP.com. I don't know if you saw this, Pete, but an interview to MotoGP.com where he was basically saying, well, you know what, like Martin says all this, but basically he's just... uh, He's on a factory bike in a semi-factory team. So what he's saying doesn't really really add up. just a little tiny bit of spice and an indication that Martin's comments are maybe causing a bit of, um, what's the word, maybe ruffling a few feathers done in the done in the factory box. That's right, Neil. And, and to be honest, if you're Martin, that's the card you, you would play, isn't it? The, the no pressure card. Whether it's true or not is a completely different story. And I think, um, you know, if you're leading the world championship, there's pressure, isn't there? And, and there's obviously going to be question marks because no sooner did Martin take the title lead than he made that mistake. Um, he needs to now show that he can deal with that pressure. But I think if you're Martin, you are going to say this. You are going to say, look, I don't need to win this. this is, there's no pressure on me and put it on Peko. But, uh, you know, if you're Peko, he's done a decent job, hasn't he, of weathering that storm. What, what was the gesture, the kind of uh, hand to the helmet of kind of, uh, you know, after he won in, uh, and fought back um, from losing the title lead as if to say, look, you know, I, I do my talking on the racetrack. And again, another, just another little sign of maybe some niggle there at Ducati. Yeah, absolutely. One or two rumours today that uh, certain people in the, in the Pramac box are convinced that, uh, let's say, the, the higher-ups in the factory have uh, all their, their eggs in one basket, and it certainly isn't in the Pramac basket. It would be in the, the factory basket. And I mean, I guess you just have to look at the reactions to the factory boxes at the successes of the two riders recently. I mean, I don't really see Paolo Ciabatti and Davide Tolozzi getting that excited whenever Jorge Martin scores pole position or victory, whereas when Peko does it, it's uh, something entirely different. I, I mean... Let's look at the team uniform they're wearing, isn't it? At the end of the day, they're wearing the factory team uniform. And um, in fairness to them, you know, there's no direct team orders as far as we understand. So credit there where it's due. But on the other hand, as you say, people are picking up on the, uh, at this time with the, the title fight getting towards the climax. You're looking at everything, aren't you? And people are noticing these things. How does the team celebrate? All these kind of things. We know in the past when, when there's been a, a teammate versus teammate title fight, the team managers, I remember Hervé Pontreal telling me when uh, Olivier Jack and Shinya Nakano were fighting for their 250cc title, that he would stand in the middle of the pit garage. He would spend the same amount of time 
with each rider because he was so conscious of not showing any kind of favoritism to one or the other. And as you say, Neil, people are, people are looking at these two Ducati riders and saying, are they being treated the same? Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, Martin's bike pretty much is the same as, as Bagnaia's bike. And you have to say, fair play to Ducati. It's not as if they're they're disadvantaging him in that way. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think it, they're making it pretty clear who they would like to win. Um, moving on, Pete, to other affairs. I mean, um, we obviously know that this is a, uh, it's a hot place to come. Thailand, much in the same vein as uh, Indonesia or Malaysia. Um, it's quite a demanding track for tires, isn't it? Because uh, we have a lot of heavy braking zones, heavy acceleration zones, but also that uh, for the final two sectors, there's a lot of very fast turns where you're really gassing it up on the edge of the tire. So Michelin bring their uh, tougher tire construction here uh, to Thailand, like they have done for the last, uh, I think, well, the last year for sure. Um, and we were talking about this just before we started recording these kind of conditions have tended to suit Fabio Quattraro and Yamaha with this harder rear tire construction when we've last had those conditions. Exactly, Neil. And, and, and Morbidelli was saying the same thing, that it seems like for whatever reason that uh, the hot track temperature or low grip, that's probably the reason, the low grip because of the hot track, hot track temperature combined with the stiffer tire seems to be good for them. Now, whether that's because... In the, in the high grip conditions, they're just not able to generate as much grip as their rivals. Who knows? But for whatever reason, the bike, people are making comparisons with India, aren't they, today? We heard a lot of riders say, you know, this could be like India. So you had optimism, if you like, from people like Joan Mir, Morbidelli, the Yamahas, because they went well there. They're hoping they will here. But at the same time, a lot of riders are saying, look, until you go out on track, you don't know what it's going to do. You know, from one week to, it can look great on paper, but until you actually go onto the track in FP1, you don't know how it's going to react no testing of course since the race last year here i don't think the track is used too much so it's a bit of a step in the unknown when people go out tomorrow morning and that's even without the weather yeah exactly um one person maybe to look out for is brad binder he was really strong here last year maybe not so much in the rain obviously miguel Oliveira won the wet race here on the ktm last year but binder had a really strong weekend in the dry qualified in the top six um and he was saying i felt great here last year so there's no reason why we shouldn't be even stronger than last year so perhaps the ktms are are a fact or something to factor in yeah definitely neil I, th I think jack miller also as you pointed out he also looked at the performance of brad last year as a reason for optimism um coming here on the, on the carbon fiber chassis which i mean it's already what was brad within a second of winning last weekend at Phillip Island already on that bike so there seems to be a lot of uh, I mean they're the main challenges aren't they I think for Ducati at the moment the others are pretty you don't quite know what you're going to get do you from one racetrack to the next but uh, the KTM certainly look capable of providing a challenge this weekend absolutely uh, just a few things to cover up before we uh, we finish up for today Pete um, Honda they have a big space to fill a certain man is leaving their team um, with a lot of world championships behind him. And uh, there's been quite a lot of speculation as to who is going to fill that seat next year. I mean, two weeks ago in Indonesia, it seemed like a third of the grid were putting their name forward. We had strange things where a couple of the Aprilia guys were indicating that they would be interested in, in going there. We had John Zarco saying that he would be prepared to leave his LCR seat with a two-year deal. Um, uh, but it does seem as though from today what we are hearing, there's only really one person that's going to be. I mean, as you say, it sounds like Miguel Oliveira is kind of backing away from, from having any kind of deal, deal with Honda or, or any, even any contact, it seems. I don't know, or discussions anyway. So, 
as you say, it sounds like uh, sounds like Honda want a one year deal, doesn't it? From from whoever takes the spot, and that seems to be putting some people off. We know Zarco was was. Uh, Give a quite detailed explanation, didn't he, of why he he now prefers to stay, if you like, at LCR Honda, have the two years guaranteed there rather than go to Repsol for one year and then who knows where you'll be for the second year. Maybe you have to then go to LCR, learn a new team again and all that kind of thing. So it seems like for a similar reason to Zarco that other people are now sort of moving out of the limelight. And uh, as you say, you've still got a certain Fabio Di Giantonio who is yet to confirm his future. we did ask him today uh, anymore. He said there's, that nothing has happened since Phillip Island. Um, I did say to him, well, the podium must help, of course. And, and he did say, yeah, of course. You know, it, it, if you give your manager that kind of, you know, something to put on the paper to show the teams, it's obviously going to help. But he insisted that there's been no, no movement from his side at the moment. But uh, there is, of course, this weekend off coming up um, after, after Bury Run, before Sepang. And it sounds like, you know, maybe that's when the time might be for more talks. Yeah, absolutely. Did Gian Antonio, though, certainly the, the leading contender at this stage, it would seem. Um, and yeah, with Honda, I guess, from their point of view, it is get a rider in for a year, a rider that's going to do a decent job, going to smile, going to appreciate being there, going to give their all, rather than someone that doesn't necessarily want to be there or thinks that it's a bit below them. Um, and also, I guess... If we're being completely honest, maybe a stopgap until they can go out and spend big, big, big bucks on someone for 2025, maybe like a Pedro Acosta. I mean, Fabio Cotuaro, I think, has been mentioned as a possible target for Honda in a year's time. I mean, that would that would kind of make sense, right? It does seem like the, the one-year deal makes sense that they're going to go on a big sort of hunting spree, aren't they, for 25. Shramir's contract already expires at the end of next year, so that they will have that one place for free. But it seems like if it is, as you say, it does appear to be a sort of that they're looking for a stopgap, that they're potentially looking for two riders for 25 and uh, probably got some big ambitions as to who they'll get there. We also had the news today that uh, Ika Lacona, Xavi Vieje are staying in, in World Superbike. So again, we can take Lacona out of the out of the Honda equation officially, I suppose, for MotoGP next year, having done a few re- replacement standing rides this year. So yeah, it looks like, as you say, you know, DJ Antonio, he'll be enthusiastic I think Casey Stoner last week was saying that, uh, you know, he would put, I, th- I think he said, a young, hungry rider on that bike rather than somebody that comes with baggage. I think he used the words, um, you know, the baggage. That, OK, you have experience, but maybe you also have some preconceived ideas. And he actually thinks, yeah, put someone young and, and, and you know, who's going to just push the bike to the limit in there. And, you know, Digi Antonio is, is, is coming good. It's come a bit late, although, although uh, in fairness it would have been very difficult to defend that, that seat against Mark Marquez, wouldn't it? I mean, he would have had to have a Marco Bezzecchi-style season, I think, to, to have really been able to keep this seat, given Mark was available. Um, but even so, he's proving that uh, he can do the job in MotoGP. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that Adam Wheeler isn't staring at me right now because he would be wearing a uh, very, very content grin, which said, I told you so, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, yes, you're right, Adam. Yes, you did tell me that. He's already already made me eat humble pie on several occasions with regards to this. Pete, just finally, uh, we had an interesting interview with Paolo Ciabatti uh, done in Phillip Island with uh, our colleague um, Giovanni Zamini, in which he said that Marquez, I think, was going to race next year for free or certainly indicated that uh, Mark wasn't really going to be receiving any kind of wage from Ducati uh, for his, um, his contribution next year. Being... The legendary journalist 
that you are. You had a one-to-one with Mark Marquez earlier, and uh, you asked him something on this very topic. Uh, yeah, I just I asked him that question straight up, and he said it's not true that he's riding for free next year. Now, I- exactly what that means, uh, you know, he maybe he's being paid by by the sponsors, for example. That that would explain why maybe he's not getting money from Ducati and Grissini is obviously a, a private team, um, and, and they, you know, unlike the Pramac team and the official team who where the, the riders' wages are paid by the factory, that's not the case at Grissini. So maybe that explains this this sort of story. But yeah, I, as you say, Neil, I, I just asked him straight up, is it true that you're riding for free? And he said, no, it's not. There you have it from the horse's mouth. Well, Pete McLaren, I have to say it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the Paddock Note show today. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, pleasure, Neil. Pleasure. Good to be on it. Absolutely. And maybe we'll have you back on again soon. Um, so, uh, yes, thank you very much for uh, subscribing to this show, which, of course, we bring you every night of a Grand Prix weekend. We'll be back again tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday, with all the reaction from the different days here at the Chang International Circuit in Burram, Thailand. And until Friday, well, we'll speak to you then.